See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin, because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the evil one, and slew his brother. For what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life, because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. 1 John 3, 1-14. Let's pray for the sermon. Lord, we thank you for bringing us together this morning. Pray you'll help us to listen to the, the teaching that you have today. Pray, Lord, you give Pastor David your special strength and wisdom to teach us the things that he has studied this week. We thank you for the teaching that you will give us. Good morning. If you could take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We are at a point where we are going to finish a chapter that many call the best chapter in Romans. So we got two more verses today to cover to talk about the truth, the evidence of justification. We have been talking about sin and death, and specifically sin and death, we've learned in chapter 5, has one source. It comes from Adam. And then we've been talking about righteousness and life also, and that also has one source, the historical person, Jesus Christ. Now, today... In a couple of verses, Paul overflows us with information. And he's going to be giving uh, more information than a sinner can handle. So it's a very perplexing couple of verses for sinners. The law of God displays God's holiness, but when the law of God meets a sinner from the line of Adam it increases 
his sinfulness. Many times, now, now a pastor has a number of hats on. Pastor has a pastor hat, has a husband hat, has a dad hat, has a friend hat, and sometimes the pastor doesn't know which hat he has on. Okay? So if you come to me and talk to me, I will assume I have a pastor's hat on, and therefore you're talking to me and me alone. Because uh, if you're talking to a friend, then I'd tell everybody what you said. You know? And, uh, and if I had my pastor, my wife, my husband hat on, I would tell my wife. But if I have my pastor hat on, I don't tell anyone. So, um, there was one day, a long time ago, long time ago, that I had way too many emails in my email basket. And there's no way I could get through them all. So I asked my wife to help me get rid of all the junk mail. And as she was going through the emails, she got to one email, which was sent to me as my pastor hat on. And the person started saying things in the email that were of a counseling nature that he was talking to me about. And my wife started reading it by mistake. And the problem with that is I don't want my wife coming to church and looking at you weird because you shared something with me. So I try to keep it private. But that didn't happen that day. My wife got too much information <laughs> about that person who was going through a very serious problem. And that's exactly what this verse does. These two verses do. It causes an information overload for the sinner. So a person that is um, from the line of Adam and is completely in their sins and completely run their life by their sin nature they are going to have a massive amount of information overload which actually will not compute in their brain and will confuse them and they will blow a gasket and they will come up with a reason to go to the restroom so they can leave the sermon early. Now, if somebody leaves this morning, just grace, okay? Now... So, that's the warning this morning. Paul has been talking about Adam and Jesus. Sin and death. Now he changes and stops talking about Adam. And he brings up one other thing that is very important to the Jewish believers. The law. The law of Moses. The law of the Old Testament. The law of the prophets and the kings. The law. Because up until that point, for the Jewish believers, they had a very high place, high view of the law. Matter of fact, a lot of Jews believed that because they were Jewish, 
they could never be claimed to be a sinner. Why? Because they had the law. In other words, it would be like today, people claiming because the Word of God uh, is found in the Bible, as long as you have a Bible in your house, you're saved. Have you heard that? I've heard that. But they think because of the Bible that they will be saved from judgment. And this verse, these two verses correct that thinking. Here we go. Now, I know some of you have a good memory. This morning, we're going to use a question, and we're going to find out the answers, six answers to the question. And if you remember, back on February 7th of this year, we had the same question. Now, the same question is because we're talking about the last verse in the chapter, which has the same answer as the first verse in the chapter. So we're going to use the same question. What are six secrets to living a stress-free life? What are six secrets to living a stress-free life? Verse 20. For the law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abound all the more. Grace abound all the more. So let's, let's go through this. What are six secrets to living a stress-free life? First, a believer surrendered to his Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, is surrendered to the Lord, not the law. Not the law. <clears throat> now, we need to discuss the law first off. The law in the book of Romans is given a good place, a holy place, a righteous place, and is held in esteem. But in this chapter, justification is held in the esteem and not the law. So there are many verses that talk about the law being holy and righteous and good. And we'll talk about that when we get to those chapters. But right now, the law only is shown in a negative light. The law in the Greek text here has no article before it. Usually when it has an article before the word law, it usually refers back to the Ten Commandments. So the law does not have that article, so it could be everything in the Old Testament. could be the entire Old Testament book that he's referring to. The law reveals that a sinner cannot live up to the holy standards of God. The, uh, like I told you, the Jewish tradition was, if you were Jewish and had the law, you'll never be called a sinner. Romans chapter 4, verse 15 says, The law brings about wrath. And Paul is trying to correct some of the misconceptions the Jewish believers had at that time in Rome. Notice he says the word come in. Come in is a very unique word. It's only found a couple times in the New Testament. But it's the Greek term literally mean to intrude, 
to intrude or come in by the side of. Come in by the side of. Which could be either good or bad. Outside the Bible, it was used to talk about people attacking your city. They would come in by the side door and enter in your city and attack you. The law of God here came in through the side door. The side door in the context here has to be referring to Adam and Jesus Christ. You got Adam, you got Jesus Christ, and those have been the two objects we've been talking about for the last several Sundays. With those two, now there is sneaking in somebody from the side door. We call it the law. The law of God. The law of God, because we've been arguing about Adam's one sin and Jesus' one act of redemption, correcting the one sin and the death that came with it and giving us life. And he includes one thing which is very important for the Jews, the law. The law. Notice what happens when the law comes in. The law came in between Adam and Jesus, and the law gets you ready for the work of justification. Notice what it happens here. The transgression, the transgression, the issue of sin comes in. Now, transgression would be interesting if it had the plural ending, and you put an S on at the end of it, transgressions. But it's not. It's singular. It's talking about one transgression. It's talking about one state of sin. It's talking about one state of rebellion. Because of Adam, the law came in, and what happened to transgressions? They increase. They increase. The law, by doing an act that goes against your conscience, which is what happened before Adam and the law came, sin was against your conscience. After the law came, it came from God so that your sins changed from being against your conscience to being more a sin of an action that's sinful against God. So an act of rebellion against God, you're going against what God said. It's very similar to what you had when you were a child and your mom got tired of punishing you and said, wait until your dad gets home. Remember that? Oh, come on. I'm not the only one in this place. Okay? Wait until your dad gets home. And that's what happened. You had your conscience, and if we just had our conscience, we'd still disobey God and sin. We would. But because God showed us his holiness and righteousness, he gave us the law, everything in the Old Testament, he gave it to us. And what it did is it caused us to to sin more, to, to transgress more, to step in the wrong place more. <clears throat> I told you about my uh, son and the chocolate chip cookies. When they were cooking and resting, and mom said, don't touch them, and mom comes back into the kitchen, and my oldest boy has chocolate over, all over his face and says, I didn't touch any cookie. It's the same thing. When you tell them something, which God did through the law and all his works in the Old Testament, then is the temptation for us to go against God. And when sin comes, we 
sin more. So what you have to do to have a stress-free life is you have to surrender to your Lord, not the law. Because no matter what you do, you will not be able to keep the law on your own power. You can't do it. You will just end up sinning more. Second, the end of verse 20. <clears throat> law came in so the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Grace abounded all the more. Number two, what are six secrets to living a stress-free life? A believer surrenders to his Lord and enjoys the abundance of grace. A believer surrenders to his Lord and enjoys an abundance of grace. Where sin increases, where there's more sin because the law comes in, there is more sin, there will always be more grace. We've talked about this before. It increases and more comes in. You've got to remember the, the Gentiles and the Jews in the same church together for the first time, and they're hearing the Word of God, and they're reading Paul's letter, <laughs> and all the Jews are thinking about, they're talking about sin, so they're talking about the Gentiles sitting over in that pew. And they're saying, those Gentiles are sinners, man. They better listen up to what Paul says. And they get to chapter 5, and Paul says, the ones who sin more are the ones who have the law. Then all the Gentiles are pointing at the Jews. Ha! Because if you follow the law, you will realize how much short you come from fulfilling it. And you will sin more. Ever been on a diet? You ever have a doctor tell you what your diet is? That's a bad place to be. And after a while, he starts listing off things you can't have anymore. You say, stop! I don't want to know anymore. The law comes and sin increases. But the great thing about God is that when sin increases, grace abounds all the more. Grace goes beyond sin. Uh, grace, sin is like a hole in the ground. <laughs> and God fills it up with grace, more than you need. The law slipped into the world, made more people sinful, more sins, more sins. And grace comes along and covers all the possible sins you know every once in a while you'll hear you'll be witnessing to somebody and you'll say I can't believe that God being a loving God would send someone to the lake of fire to hell have you ever heard that okay they say that what you need to do is you need to respond and change the question you need to say do you think a holy and just God would ever let a sinner into heaven? Because that's the real question. God shows us the holiness that he has by the law. 
And when we sinners look at the law and we know how much fall, we fall short and we sin, fall short of the glory of God, we sin, we sin, we sin, we can't even stop sinning. But grace abounds. Grace overflows. Grace gives you everything you need to make it through. All you have to do is have a relationship with Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 21. Third thing. Verse 21. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that as sin reigned in death. Number three. What are six secrets to living a stress-free life? A believer surrenders to his Lord, not to death. A believer surrenders to his Lord, not to death. Death does not reign over the believer. Sin reigns over death. Sin reigns through death. 1 John chapter 3, did you hear that last verse, verse 14? We know that we have passed out of death into life. How? Because we love the brethren. Okay, I won't, I won't spend too much time on that one. But look around the room. Do you love the brethren? If you are a sinner controlled by the sin nature of Adam, you will have a hard time loving people in this room. And the first test he gives is to love people in this room. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, if you have a Lord, you will love the Lord, the other people that have him as Lord as well. You will love them as well. Romans 5.14 Death reigns. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who is to come. The coming Jesus Christ breaks everything that occurs in the Old Testament, in Adam's life, in life of Moses, and the life of the prophets. You have been changed. You have the supernatural ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to love someone. Now, I know there are some people in this room that are easy to love. And everybody loves them. But that's not really the question. It's the people in the room that are hard to love. Or difficult to love. Or try your patience to love. Because with the Holy Spirit controlling your life, Jesus Christ as your Lord, you will love them in a supernatural way. There you go. I could get the wrong answer in the wrong crowd. How's your love life? Ha! Sin reigns in death. I think the death there is talking about spiritual death, physical death, and eternal death. 
I think he's talking about all different types of death. I've talked about this before. Therefore, a lack of joy. If you have a spiritual death, there will be a lack of joy, a lack of love for others in your life. If there is a physical death, that will be your last opportunity to turn to salvation. If you have an eternal death, that will be when you stand before the great white throne and the books are opened and your name is not found in the book of life and you'll be sent to a lake of fire. Three books, three parts of death, three aspects of death. You believers, one sign is to love others. Love others. Here we go, number four. So that as sin reigned in death, next phrase, even so grace would reign. Grace would reign. Even so grace would reign. What are six secrets of living a stress-free life? Number four, a believer surrenders to his Lord and enjoys the undefeatable grace. I think I made up that word. Undefeatable. Undefeatable grace. You will enjoy grace, grace, and more grace. It's like going to your favorite Chicago pizza place in Indianapolis, getting a surprise. You didn't know there was a Chicago pizza place in Indianapolis. Who would think it? And you get to go, and you order a small deep dish with pepperoni, sausage, and extra cheese, and you wait 30 minutes for it to come, and you sit there in the uh, restaurant smelling the smell and getting more hungry because you skipped lunch because you didn't want anything in your stomach to get in the way of the pizza, and you skipped breakfast because you didn't want anything to get in the way of the pizza, and you are sitting there waiting, and you are drinking your Diet Coke, but you don't want to drink too much of it because you don't want anything in your stomach for the pizza. And the pizza comes. Oh, happy day. <laughs> and you get the first slice of your pie and you put it on your plate. And you look at the tip of the first piece and you say, that looks good with the extra cheese. And you stick your fork in it and you put it on the end of the fork and you put it in your mouth and you go, mmm. Undefeatable grace is better than pizza. Undefeatable grace is undefeatable. Even so, grace would reign. Even so, the work of grace overcoming sin displays the power of grace being more powerful than anything else on this planet. The grace of the gospel offers free pardon to all who have broken the law if they come to God through faith in Jesus Christ and the work of Jesus Christ. You can be part of the winning team. The rulership of sin is answered by the rulership of grace. Grace replaces sin, and you therefore become in a place of power. Not your power, grace's power. God's grace overcomes sin because the righteousness of God is manifest in the world through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. I do not think that righteousness here is talking about you doing good things. I think righteousness here is talking about righteousness. The righteousness which was displayed in the life of Jesus Christ. 
The work of righteousness that was done by Jesus Christ on the cross. The work of righteousness which you and I are a part of by faith when we become a believer in Jesus Christ. And we are part of the righteousness of God. Because we're part of grace. Everything that comes to the sinner is the gracious gift of God. The grace of God is connected to the work of Jesus Christ and the love of God. Grace is the answer, not the law of God. Grace is the answer, not the work of sin. Grace is the answer, not the, not the work of death. Grace is the answer for a life without stress that attacks the non-believer every single day. Grace is God giving a blessing to people that don't deserve it, which finds its source in the kindness of God. Salvation is the direct divine act of grace where a sinner is saved by a holy God. God saved you by the work of Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you a definition of grace. I'm not going to put it on the screen because I don't want you to write it down because I don't like it. Here you go. The grace, definition of grace is, grace is the inward, invisible, superhuman, life-giving action of the Holy Spirit upon a soul of a sinner. Yes, I know. Grace is the inward, invisible, superhuman, life-giving action of the Holy Spirit upon the soul of a sinner. It's a gift from God who does the work of justification. It's a gift from the Son of God who did work of his redemption on the cross. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that communicates to you the first opportunity of grace. Grace is found in the book of Romans 24 times. Grace is the objective basis of our salvation. It's the objective basis of our salvation. It's nothing we do. It comes from God. Faith is the subjective part of salvation. You have to have both. You have to have grace and you have to have faith. Grace comes from God, comes from the work of God, comes the work of the Holy Spirit, comes the work of Jesus Christ, and you place your faith subjectively into that work. And grace becomes yours. Grace becomes yours. In the 1600s, they had a big debate going on theologically. They came up with three ways to get to heaven. Three ways to get to heaven. One way was without God. You earn your way to heaven. This was put up by the Catholics and other religious people. They said you do good things and somehow God pays you back for being good. Second way. God does some works in your salvation and you do some works as well. It was called synergism. Combining the divine and human activities in such a way that salvation comes to pass by the addition of human activity to God's activity. One pastor in the 1600s said, there are three causes of salvation, Scripture, the Holy Spirit, and the will of man, who does not reject Scripture but accepts it. And then a third way, the way... I believe is the right way, because the Bible says so. 
Third way, all God. All grace, all the time. The sovereignty of grace. That God shows His grace to us and saves you. Not by any work you do, but all by God. One pastor put it this way, Love that gives upward is worship. Love that goes outward is affection. Love that stoops down is grace. That's what God did. He stooped down and gave you grace. And because of that grace, that grace is supernaturally powered to defeat every sin, to cover every sin, to save you to the uttermost. Here we go, number five. So that sin has reigned in death, so also grace reigned through righteousness to eternal life. Through righteousness to eternal life. Number five, what are six secrets, six secrets to living a stress-free life? Number five, a believer surrenders to the Lord, his Lord, and rejoices over the eternal life of righteousness. The eternal life of righteousness. You get grace. And with grace comes justification. And with justification comes the work of God the Father. And with the work of God the Father comes the work of God the Son on the cross that redeems you. And you have the work of God the Son. And you have work of God the the Father. And then you have work of God the Holy Spirit who comes into your life and is able to make eternal life possible for you and a righteous life possible for you. Again, the word righteousness there, I think is referring to the righteous work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ does a work of righteousness on his work on the cross. He did it every day when he was on this planet. He lived a righteous life. And because of justification, you were declared to be in righteousness with Jesus Christ. And you are declared righteous. And because you're declared righteous, you get to go to a righteous place when you die called heaven. And you get to live forever doing righteousness. God's grace is seen in the righteousness of Christ providing salvation for sinners. Not talking about a believer doing righteous acts, because he talks about that later in the the book. But grace reigns through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Righteousness that comes only through justification. The believer, for the believer, grace that he receives from God will lead to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And you receive eternal life. I think it's talking about the quality of life. Not necessarily how long it will be. It's the quality of life. It will be eternal life. It will be righteous life. It will be because of God's plan of justification, you get eternal life. It's because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, you get eternal life. Eternal life is divine life and communion with God that cannot ever be lost. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you a few things about eternal life. Eternal life is the opposite of second death, which will happen to everybody who is of the line of Adam. Eternally, we will worship God forever. See, I keep telling you, the church hour is the best hour of the week. 
and we'll do it forever. We'll never stop being in church. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Eternally, we'll serve God forever. We will enjoy God forever. We will know God perfectly forever. We will fellowship with other believers forever. First Thessalonians 4, Matthew 8, Hebrews 12. Eternally, we will rest. Revelation 14, 2 Thessalonians 1. Eternally, we'll reign with God. Revelation 22. Eternal life is peace with God, peace with others, peace with life, peace with ourselves, and peace with the life to come. Eternal life. Do not think that a party in the lake of fire with your friends is more fun than heaven and an eternal life. It's nowhere close. Because your party in the lake of fire will not happen. Here we go, number six. Oh, we're doing good on time. Here we go, number six. What are six secrets of living a stress-free life? Verse 21. Reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Number six. A believer surrenders to his Lord and enjoys his work on your behalf. Enjoys his work on your behalf. Jesus does the work. Isn't that something? He does the work, and you get the paycheck. You do nothing. Matter of fact, even if you could do something, you couldn't do it right. And you get the paycheck. Through the work of Jesus Christ. The work of Jesus Christ gives the believer everything. In chapter 5, I'll make you turn back to chapter 5 which hopefully you're still in. There are four items that come up in chapter 5, all talking about the work of Jesus Christ. So let's go backwards. Go back up to verse 1. Verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ being your Lord, what do you get? Peace. You get peace. The gift of peace with God. The very description of what salvation is. Drop down to verse 11. Verse 11. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation the work of Jesus Christ gives the believer reconciliation. Not only do you get peace, you get reconciliation. Not because of your work, because of the work of Jesus Christ. Peace, reconciliation. Wait, there's more. Verse 17. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more who received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in the life through the one, Jesus Christ. Through the one. What does you get there? You get the gift of righteousness. Wait, you get reconciliation. You get peace. You get righteousness. You get three incredible things. Then drop down to our verse. Verse 21. We get a Lord. We get a Lord who wants you to be with Him forever. 
Therefore, you need to be with him forever. We call it eternal life. The work of Jesus Christ, the Lord, the gospel message centers upon Jesus Christ, our Lord. The term Lord is used 44 times in the book of Romans. We're talking about sin reigning then or grace reigning, and the discussion continues here to the end of the chapter. The one who is king of your life, I hope and pray, is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus Christ, the king of God's kingdom. Here you go. Will I praise God for his gift of stress-free grace that saves me and gave me eternal life so that I would always be with my Lord. You want to be with your Lord. Every day this week, you should have a little sadness. You want to be with your Lord. Every day this week, as you look back on it, and you go to sleep every night, you would have enjoyed meeting your Lord in heaven. It would have been a better day. Every day, you want to be with your Lord. An article came out in National Geographic in September 1991. Listen to what it talked about. It talked about in graphic details about a young man from Pennsylvania who had been badly burned by a boiler exploding. To save his life, physicians covered him with 6,000 square centimeters of donor skin. 6,000 square centimeters. As well as a sheet of skin cultured for a, from a stamp-sized piece of his own unburned skin. He was being interviewed. The writer asked him, quote, Do you ever think about the donor who saved you? Do you ever think about the donor who saved you? The young man replied, To be alive because of a dead donor is too much, too big, so I don't think about it. You have been given the same gift. You were diseased with sin. You were decaying with sin. You had committed so many false steps. You needed to be a transplant. You didn't need just 6,000. You needed your whole person renewed. You need a whole new person grafted in. And Jesus Christ did that on the cross. He shed his blood so that you could be redeemed. He did it so that you could experience eternal life. He did it so that you could have life. And he died on your behalf. Praise the Lord, he was raised three days later so he could show us that eternal life is possible. And 
One day in your life, you heard the gospel message and you surrendered to a new Lord of your life. And God changed your life. You no longer had any stress in your life. God took care of all your problems. He grafted in new skin, made you a new person, made you a new child of God, made you a co-heir with Jesus Christ, made you a person with hope, peace, reconciliation, life. I think it's only appropriate that we praise Him. So let's bow. Usually I like closing the sermon and pray. We're not going to do that. You're going to pray in your head, in your heart, to God. I want you to praise Him for giving you a new life. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.